Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. I'm going to deal with a subject this morning. We're going to title God's Church Has Issues. Huh? Yeah. Uh, somebody help me now. Grab your Bibles and open with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 47. While you're trying to find Ezekiel, tell your neighbor God's church has issues. Um, this message is of the magnitude of uh, probably anything that I've ever dealt with before. Um, uh, I, I don't know how to pull you into this at the level I need you to be pulled in. That uh, this is more than a message today. It has become my life. As a matter of fact, I'll be preaching in a manner today that I've never preached in before. Uh, I, don't, I don't have notes. I have my journal. Uh, I've never preached out of my journal. I've never been a real big journaler. But God so pulled me into the, the text and the context that I'm about to deal with this morning that I usually put everything in my iPad, but I just begin to do my own commentary. This is in my own prayer closet. This is what God's showing me as one of your pastors for direction for the body of Christ as a whole. So I'm just going to, I decided to preach out of my journal today. It's going to come straight from my heart. Another thing you need to know before I begin to preach I'm going to preach from an apostolic platform. The Bible said that he gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Amen. When I say apostolic platform, I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about gifting, calling, and office. Amen. That God has uh, so graciously gifted us with an apostolic anointing. Uh, and what that simply means is Paul was an apostle, meaning he dealt with the church as a whole. He sent a letter and it was sent to everybody. So when I say I'm preaching from an apostolic anointing today, I'm not just preaching to life church. I'm preaching what God showed me on the mountain concerning his church. Okay, are y'all with me? Can you receive that? I also want you to let you know that uh, February caught me and my wife off guard with God opening up these doors for apostolic ministry in fellowship churches. Uh, we're going to embrace that calling and anointing, but I promise you this, I'm going to tweak my schedule after this month, and I'll be home a whole lot more than I am gone. Are y'all listening to me? But I need you to understand the anointing, the calling, the apostolic mantle, uh, to help us pray that God can establish other churches as well. But I will tweak my schedule Amen, to where I'm not as gone as much as I happen to be in this month. Having said all that, are y'all with me? Having said all of that, I need to, to give you a little precursor, if you will, to the uh, scriptures we're about to read. We're about to read Ezekiel chapter number 47. Uh, and chapter number 47, uh, a lot of people th says that Isaiah was the greatest and the, the, the most powerful prophet. I beg to differ. I think Ezekiel uh, had, uh, well, I don't know if I would say he was greater, but he had such an insight into the future. And uh, Ezekiel is about to give us a revelation of a temple that has never been built. So what he's about to give us, you have, you have the tabernacle Moses built. 
and you have the, 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 the temple that Solomon built. You have the temple that Herod built. But this is a temple that I'm about to present to you today that's never been built. I don't know if I have time today, but I can prove to you it could not be built before the 20th century. The architect of this temple, they did not have the technology to be able to build it when he saw it. He was a prophet out of this world. So uh, I need you to understand that the temple I'm about to preach about, Ezekiel was prophesying about, was the New Testament temple. It was the body of Christ. Somebody tell your neighbor, he's talking about the body of Christ. Amen. He's talking about the body of Christ. Because I don't know if you, how well you're in your Bible, but there's a great mystery concerning the body of Christ and the house of God. Somebody say they're the same. They're the same. Matter of fact, let me break it down to you. Look at your neighbor and right, tell, look at him right now and say, you are the house. So not are you the house of God. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are you listening to me? In which God dwells. We are a building fitly joined together as a habitation of a holy God. Are y'all hearing me? Amen. So I need you as I begin to teach this today. I need you to pull God's house into your house and your house into God's house. Amen. That's what Ezekiel seen. He saw it with such clarity, it is unbelievable. Amen. So he, he spent, <laughs> are y'all okay? I'm full this morning. Amen. So from Ezekiel 40 to 47, he is describing what he saw in the spirit. Are you in Ezekiel 47 and 1? Somebody shout out the first word of Ezekiel 47 and 1. Afterwards. Uh, I don't know what version you're, you're reading. I read uh, King Jim. Amen. And he said, afterward. Somebody shout afterward. Amen. Can we read together? Somebody shout, God's church has got issues. Afterward, he brought me to the door of the house. And behold, it had issues. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood towards the east. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then he brought me out of the way of the gate northward. And led me about the way without unto the utter gate. Just stay with me. It, it, it gets sticky, but we'll, 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 we'll help you. By the way that looks eastward, and behold, there were waters running out of the right side of the house. Of all the temples that has ever been built, no one has ever seen waters running out of the temple. What a man of God. What a man of God. And when the man that had the line in his hand Went forth eastward, he measured 1,500 feet, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured 1,500 feet, and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Again, he measured 1,000, and brought me through the waters, and they were to my loins. Afterward, he measured 1,000 cubits, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, Waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, have you seen this? 
Then he brought me and caused me to return to the bank of the river. And when I had returned to be, uh, behold, at the bank of the river, there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said unto me, these waters issue out towards the east country and they go down to the desert and they go into the sea, which being brought into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth, whithersoever the rivers, rivers shall come shall live, and there will be a great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither. For they shall be healed, and everything shall live wherever the river comes. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engadai even into Engalame, and they shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed they shall be given to salt and by the river upon the bank thereof on this side and that side shall grow all trees for meat whose leaves shall not fade neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed it shall bring forth new fruit according to his months because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary because their waters they issued Somebody say God's church has got issues. Their waters they issued out of the sanctuary and the fruit thereof shall be for food and the leaf shall be for medicine. Kobe, you don't know how you prophesied a while ago. Are y'all ready to unfold this thing? Is somebody praying for me? Amen. Uh, I want you to notice before we dive into this thing that uh, Ezekiel 47 and 1 said afterward. The word afterward uh, means that something that is following in the order or the place uh, or, or, or time. Uh, Josh was supposed to disclose the definition for you last week uh, to, to set the stage for me to be able to preach to you today. But he didn't do that, so I'll do it. Amen. Somebody shout prequel. A prequel. Anybody ever heard of the word prequel? I never had heard the word until Josh shared it with me. Amen. A prequel, by definition, is a work that forms part of a backstory to the preceding narrative. It's a work that forms the backstory of the preceding narrative. When you see a word that says afterward, amen, you know there's a backstory you need to understand. There, there, there has to be a prequel before there can be a sequel. Let me work this just a little while. Amen. Everything has a prequel. Matter of fact, what makes the sequel interesting or exciting is the backstory. Amen. Uh, tonight, we will get the backstory of Donna's miracle. Amen. If you just look at Donna now, amen, you'll say, praise God, she's another born-again Christian, amen. She's on our way to heaven, and that's all well and good. But when you get the prequel, when you get the backstory 
all of a sudden, her story comes alive to you. That's why you got to be careful. And, and the entire Bible is built upon prequels. The Old Testament is a prequel to a sequel called the New Testament. Amen. John the Baptist was a prequel, if you will, to the coming Messiah who was the sequel. Amen. Let me tell you. Somebody say, I want to know the backstory. Amen. I want to know the death because a testimony can't be a testimony if you don't give me the backstory. Amen. I believe that's why when the demonic was healed that lived in the caves, he lived in dens, he cut himself with a knife. And when he got saved, Jesus came across to the garden of, uh, to the island of Gesserines and he got born again and said, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, I need you to go back to the city you came from because if you go with me, people's going to see you as another disciple. But if you go back to where you came from, they know the backstory. And when you know the backstory, the miracle gets bigger. Is anybody in this place? Amen. No wonder, God, I got to go. No wonder when Paul, amen, was brought before King Agrippa and he was in chains and bonds. Amen. And, and King Agrippa said, bring him up here and let, me, let, him, let, me, let him tell me his story before I kill him. Amen. And, 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 and Paul didn't go to quoting scripture. He didn't go to giving deep revelation. He began to give his backstory. And when he gave his backstory, that uh, King Agrippa, let me tell you who I was. Not what I am today, but let me tell you who I was. I killed Christians. I was a Jesus hater. But there was a light that shined on me on my way to Damascus. And I'm all shot Amen. And King Agrippa said, my God, man, you almost, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Somebody says it's, back, back, it's about the backstory. If you're ashamed of your backstory, you're ashamed of what God has done in your life. And it ain't how good you are now, it's how bad you was then. Oh, I just need somebody to help me. Amen. Amen. Thank God for what you have become, but it's what you was. It's the backstory. Oh, somebody ought to help me preach in this place today. <laughs> it's the backstory. I feel sorry for your Christians that's now too holy to tell people where God brought you from. I feel sorry for you that's become so good now. You're ashamed of what you was. You ain't even give everybody your testimony yet, have you? Some things you have reserved. My God, I got to move on, but I'm hung up right here. Amen. It's one thing to say that Moses, amen, entered into. Y'all just shout while I breathe, okay? Somebody just praise the Lord. Check your text. Check your face. I ain't got time to establish the fact, amen. Amen. Uh, Amen. But the story wouldn't mean much. Amen. When the when the uh, when the uh, the army was in the desert starving to death and needed some water, and God provided water. Yippee! Praise the Lord. But give me the backstory. The backstory is they had to get a shovel out and go to digging ditches. Is anybody? Everybody wants a testimony without a backstory. We've so lost the art of this that we're having salvations now without backstories. 
Oh, somebody ought to help me just a minute. Amen. We're having salvations without backstories. Amen. If I was a sinner, I was lost. I was on my way to hell. But God has delivered me. Deliverance takes on a whole when you got a backstory. I got to go. I got to go. We got seven chapters to preach. Somebody say, I want to know the prequel. I want to know the prequel. I love, I love preaching uh, Ezekiel 47. I love, I pray. If you've prayed with me very much, I'm a loud prayer. Amen. You've heard me pray the river. You ever heard me pray the river? I'm always praying for the river of God to flow and the river of God to flow. But God, after 21 days of fasting and prayer, 21 days of fasting and prayer, he gave me what I'm about to unload to this church. And it'll take months to be able to unload it. But 21 days of seeking the face of God, 21 days of sacrifice, 21 days of dying to me. I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm not hiding anything. Are y'all okay? Are you ready? So we love to jump in the chapter where it says, and afterward, behold, there was a river that issued out from under the threshold of God. Amen. The problem with Christians nowadays, all we want is highlights. That's all we want. We want highlights. I want to see you doing supernatural things and I want to be like you. But I don't want to see how many hours of prayer it took. I don't want to see how much fasting it took. I don't want all of the muddy stuff. Just show me the highlights. And we pursue people's highlights and we get disappointed because we never live in highlights. It's because highlights are built on lowlights. Is anybody listening to me? It's built on the most shatta. It's built in a secret place. It's built in isolation. It's built. My God, I got another message coming. Amen. That Cain and Abel, Abel killed. Cain killed Abel because he was jealous. And God looked at Abel, amen, or Cain, and said, Did not your brother offer a more excellent sacrifice than you? He said, why is your countenance changed? If you would do right, I would bless you. We got people sitting in churches jealous of those who's growing and going. I'm preaching apostolic today, amen. Why is he getting position? Why is he getting platform? Why is he getting... I'm going to preach that message because he offered a more excellent sacrifice. We won't highlight... We want, to we want to read Acts chapter number 2. And we want to walk in the supernatural power of God. We want to operate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I don't want to die the death he died. I don't want to go into a time of isolation to where I feel separated from the body and the Father and everything else. Am I preaching to this church? So... Ezekiel 47 and 1. Uh, Josh, I forgot my other scripture. I need you to put it up there before I go any further. While he's pulling it up, say, God's church has issues. <laughs> For you that's taking notes, it's John chapter number 7, verse number 37 through 39. In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. 
He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly, out of his belly, out of his belly. Somebody aren't just chanting with me. Out of his belly, out of God's house, shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody say God's church has got issues. If any man believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his house is going to become rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which they, had, they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not glorified. <coughs> okay, somebody say, slow down, Pastor, and tell me the backstory. Tell me the backstory. Let me tell you the backstory of the greatest prophet, as far as I'm concerned, that ever walked on the planet Earth. Amen. Oh, pray for me, baby. Let's talk to my wife there, y'all. Amen. What we have is a uh, prophetic picture of the 21st century church. I'm telling you the truth, amen. By what we have, amen, all of a sudden we see Ezekiel. And Ezekiel said, on the 25th year, amen, of our captivity. The prophet had been in captivity for 25 years by Babylon. By Babylon. The temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And God said, I'm going to raise you up and show you what my revised temple is going to look like. I'm going to raise you up. I need you to understand something. If the Lord's willing, amen. I may cancel some dates this month. I don't know. But there's a message coming on the bride of Christ. Amen. I ain't going to preach it, but I want to throw something out to you. Amen. Your Bible talks about two brides. Your Bible talks about two brides. The holy bride that will be married to the groom. Uh, are you with me? But there's another bride in the book of Revelations called the harlot bride. Anybody ever seen that in the book of Revelation? It's the harlot bride. Why? Because Satan has an imitation of everything that God has. I ain't got time to establish that, but he always, he, amen, he has an evil trinity just like God does. He has a false prophet just like God has prophets. Are you following me? But anyway, the Revelation talks about two brides, amen, another bride that was going to raise its head up in the last days. And it's a harlot bride that portrays itself to be the bride of Christ, but living in total compromise. She's not holy no more. She set her own rules. She says the bride's okay with me whoring around a little bit. The bride's okay. Amen. Will we sleeping with other lovers and worshiping ever idols? Is anybody in this place? And he called it the Babylonian spirit. Can I tell you, Ezekiel was prophesied, amen, about a Babylonian spirit that was coming to the holy bride to get her to compromise her consecration. And here they are, 25 years in bondage because of compromise. I'm preaching apostolic. I'm preaching from a platform. 
Amen. I can't understand. I can't explain to you the apostolic gift, but I don't have the luxury of praying for life church alone anymore because God takes me to places like he's taking Ezekiel and says, this is the condition of the body of Christ and somebody's got to turn it. Somebody. I saw for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but I couldn't find it. I've been praying, God, here I am. So here we have a picture of a Babylonian bride that slipped in and desecrated the holy temple. And now the prophets are in bondage and they're prophesying still, but they're prophesying through the lens of a Babylonian spirit. Preachers are preaching from the lens of a Babylonian spirit to where God understands your laziness. He understands. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pull it in. God understands our laziness. He understands our lack of commitment. He understands I got kids that play ball and go to sports. and do. He understands that I don't have time for him. Is anybody in this place this morning? I'm just going to preach like an apostle today. We'll let pastor preach in a few days. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. He said, he said it was a picture that we were in Babylonian captivity. And he said all of a sudden God, the Holy Ghost, took me into a high place. <laughs> and he said, when I got to the high place, I looked out over fallen Jerusalem. I looked over the fallen body of Christ. And it said, I could see a little bit of structure. But she was so defamed and polluted that I couldn't even get a clear picture <laughs> Of what she really looks like. I can't preach at all. But I'm afraid. He said it was like a, a confusing vision at first. There's a world out there confused. Because all there is. Is a form of godliness. Denying the power thereof. We, when we relinquish holiness. We relinquish power. And now we minister. From the platform of flesh. And we put on a good show in here. And live like the world. Now, he said it was a form, a little bit of structure to it. Amen. He said, but the next thing I saw was a man standing there who looked like bronze. Come on now. I'm not preaching to babies today. I need you to think. I need you to think. You can't, you can't let your mind wonder one second or you're going to miss it today. He said, I saw a man standing there who was bronze. Amen. As soon as he said bronze, I knew who was standing there because I seen him in the book of Revelations and his feet was like bronze. His hair was like wool. His eyes were like fire. And that Jesus had a measuring stick in his hand. And he said, come on Ezekiel, I'm fixing to measure my house. And I'm going to measure it with a ruler. You hear what I said? A ruler. You don't get to add to the ruler and you don't get to take away from the ruler. There is a set standard for God's house. Is anybody in me? Amen. And you jack leg preachers. I'm preaching apostolic. Amen. And teachers and laity. We don't get the privilege of making the ruler 12 inches and a quarter. It is what God says it is. <laughs> he was standing there with us. He said, now come on. Ezekiel, I'm going to show you a revelation that no man has ever seen. I'm going to show you the end time temple. I'm going to show you what my church is supposed to look like. 
And he started dealing with everything. God is meticulous. Somebody shout that with me. God is meticulous. Our half-hearted prayer life, our half-hearted spiritual life is so far from the will of God because he's interested in every toil, every tassel, every color, every pomegranate, every... Is anybody listening to me? He's line upon line, precept upon precept. His way is not broad. It's narrow. Somebody say he's preaching the word without any legalism whatsoever. He said, he said, come on, I'm, I'm going to show you what my house looks like. And I ain't got time to teach it because it really gets boring. He starts measuring the walls. Everything means something. He starts measuring the outer court, the inner court. He starts measuring the gates. He starts measuring the stairs. He starts measuring the altar. Are y'all going to be able to handle this today? I need you to shake your neighbor right now. Shake him, shake him, shake him, because it's going to get so deep, you're going to get lost. I don't want nobody drowning, amen. He said, this is what it's supposed to look like. He said, he said, your people, my people, God said, my people, especially my leaders, my priests have compromised my holiness. And as a result, the enemy has come in and desecrated my temple. <coughs> he said, so the first thing I want you to do is the sons of Levi, the compromising priests, Pull them down. Take them out of position. Get them off the platform. They will not lead my people. He said, those that are uncircumcised in heart and flesh, move them. Amen. He said, you've removed holy priests and you've called in preachers who preach what you want to hear. I'm telling you, it's in here. I'll break it down one night if you want to spend four hours with me, amen. He said, you have taken away my holy priest, amen, and you've brought outsiders in, amen. They don't know my rule. They don't know my standard. And, I, and he said, there's a generation being raised in the body of Christ that is so biblically illiterate that they don't even know it. Amen. He said, there's a generation coming up that don't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They don't even know John 3.16. They don't know their Bible. So preachers can tell you anything. And we leave saying, wow, that was deep. I'll put back on my pastoral hat, but let me get through this apostolic message, okay? He said, he said, I want you to move them. And I want you to raise up another priest line. I want you to raise up the priest of Zadok. Zadok means righteousness. He said, I don't care if he's your best friend. I don't care if you love him and he loves you. My house is not about friendship. It's about presence. And I will not dwell in an unclean temple. Amen. He said, I want you to move them. And I want you to raise up righteous priests who will begin to teach my people between what is holy and what is profane, what is clean and what is unclean. Somebody has got to drop a plumb line and say that is not acceptable. Somebody say, tell me the backstory. story. 
Here's what's got me scared. I want all you that ever get on this platform to listen to me closely. This is what's got me scared. He said those that compromise because the people started worshiping other idols, the priests just come down to where they was instead of bringing them up to where they was. And they started offering sacrifices that was conducive to their compromising backstyle. Uh, yeah, background. Amen. <laughs> He said, so uh, uh, they've caused a stumbling block. They've called the people to stumble. We're living in a weak church age because Christians are constantly stumbling over the flesh because there's no priest that'll stand and say, that's holy, that's unholy. That's clean, that's unclean. It's all about, well, whatever you feel. No, your feelings will get you in trouble. It's what God says. He said, but God's mercies even showed up. Hear me, leaders, because we're going to be having some meetings together, so you better get it now. He said, you can take those compromising priests. Don't kick them out. I love them. Give them a broom and let them sweep. Let them kill a sacrifice. Let them just minister to the people. But they can't minister to me because they're not holy. I need you to catch this praise team. Amen. He said, because they're, they're living in compromise, they can no longer minister to me. But I'll let them minister to men. But the righteous priests can enter into my presence and they can minister to me. You know what happens, praise team? When you quit ministering to people and start ministering to God, God starts ministering to the people. But, but we got compromising preachers preaching in the flesh to compromising congregations. And we got men ministering to men. We got flesh ministering to flesh. And we walk out saying, my, that was good today. God said, I'm raising up a new priesthood. And they are not compromising. They are sanctified. And they are holy. And when they preach, they're not preaching to people. They're preaching to me. When they minister in song, they're not singing to people. They're singing to me. And when they do this, I will fill my house. Now all of a sudden I understood what David meant when he said it's the deep calling to the deep instead of the shallow calling to the shallow. Is anybody, somebody said tell me, tell me what it's going to take to get to afterward. Amen. He said, first thing you got to do is you got to deal with leadership. You got to deal with the preachers. You got to deal with the priests. Amen. Because they're causing everybody to stumble. Because such, uh, uh, how can I say this? Because I don't want to come across as rude or crude. It's just, it's in me, okay? Amen. He said, my people are so shallow that shallow preachers are getting away with it. Amen. I got news for you. There's about to become a dividing in the house of God. And it's going to divide the deep from the shallow and the shallow when the deep preachers start preaching and the deep worshipers start worshiping the shallow is going to say I'm not getting fed I'm dying 
And it's going to cause a division in the body of Christ. But right now, the church is so shallow. Amen. Even the deepest of the deep says, well, that was pretty good. <laughs> Amen. Are you listening to me? So can, can I go a little deeper? Amen. He said, the first thing we're going to deal with is the priests, is the leaders. Amen. My God, this sanctuary, this, this platform has to become holy again. Amen. It has to become holy again. My God, in the name of Jesus. I'm looking for some that was on the platform that's not here right now. Amen. Hey, listen to me. This platform has to become holy again to where I don't let you up here because I like you. Amen. I let you up here because God likes you. Is anybody listening to me? I let you touch the holy because you are holy. So now, Teddy. Jesus standing there with a measuring stick and Ezekiel's in a high place. Here's the problem. We never get this vision because we pray from a low place. We worship from a low place and we never allow the Holy Ghost. We never get into position for God to take us to a high place so we can see the house like he sees it. And as a result, we commend ourselves among ourselves and say, we're doing pretty good compared to the church down the street. I'm burdened because ambulance are not pulling up into our foyer saying, we thought we'd bring them to you before we took them to the hospital. I'm burdened because our baptistry is dry. And teenagers are coming in that door and leaving that door and they're not being hooked into the body of Christ. I'm burdened because our community is not turned upside down because there's something flowing out of that house down there and it is alive. He said, uh, he said, I, I, I need you to get the priest in order. <coughs> I need to get holy. And he said, uh, he said, now show them my house. Listen to it. He said, Ezekiel, play real close attention now. I'm going to show you all the details of what my house looks like. And it starts with holiness. Matter of fact, he said, uh, Ezekiel, this is the primary law of my house is it is holy. We don't like that word no more, so I need you to look at your neighbor and shake them and say, it's a law. It's a law. It's a principle. That my house is holy. I need you to get that right from, right from the beginning, Ezekiel. My house is holy. Amen. He said, now, pay close attention because I'm about to show you the house. And when I show it to you, you relay the message to the people. And he said something that gripped me to my core. If they are ashamed of the dilapidated condition of their own spirits. When you show them what my house is supposed to look like, if they are ashamed of what the house has become, then show them some more. Show them the precepts. Show them the concepts. Show them every little jot and every little tittle. Can I tell you, amen, that repentance is the gateway to deeper revelation. And because the people have become so comfortable in our compromise, we're not ashamed anymore when we catch a glimpse of the holiness of God's house. Matter of fact, a lot of us sit on the pew offended that someone would show us what God's house is supposed to look like. So he said, you don't even have the privilege to get a deeper revelation if you can't blush over your compromise. 
Not only are you not blushing over your compromise, you're bragging on your audacity. Told him off. I wouldn't put up with that. All that ain't necessary. All of that holiness, commitment, prayer, fasting, studying your Bible. I'm not even blushing anymore that I don't have a prayer life. The body has lost its, its honor and privilege of blushing with conviction when the word of God is being preached. He said, so if they don't blush, slam the door and let them have church. But if they begin to blush and they become ashamed of their own inadequacy, he said, I want you to start opening up revelation like they've never had before. <laughs> Amen. Can I tell you, repentance is the prequence to a sequence of revelations. And so we keep sharing the same revelation and we keep chewing the same old meat and we keep beating the same dead horse because we can't go no deeper because I wasn't ashamed with the last revelation you gave me. The last revelation didn't change me. So God said, if you don't eat what I gave you, I'll not fill your plate again. Somebody say this is the backstory. I got to go. And he said, <laughs> and, 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 and I got my, my journal. My journal. See? See how simple I am? Y'all see all the different colors? It's color-coded. <laughs> One scripture. One's my commentary. Amen. And, and there's so many. Look, there's so many that I can't preach all of them. Amen. But let me give you another. He said, okay, the, 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 the first thing that's got to be rebuilt in my church is the altar. It's the altar. <laughs> Amen. But Ezekiel saw an altar like he's never seen before. <clears throat> he said, let me tell you how I want. <clears throat> Y'all praying for me? He said, let me show you how I want this altar built. Amen. In the Old Testament, he said, when you build an altar, do not put steps up to the altar. I mean, how a prophet could, could say something against what Moses said is unreal to me. Amen. He said, uh, when you build this altar, God told Moses, when you build an altar, there shall be no steps. Because when the priest is going up the steps, I don't want somebody to see his nakedness. I don't want somebody to be able to look up under his garb. But now God is measuring a new altar in the New Testament church. And he said, he said, I want you to build the altar high. And I want you to build steps all the way up to the altar. Amen. Because the altar in the New Testament, your, your sins have been covered. They're already covered by the blood of Jesus. And prayer is an exalted place. You can't pray on ground level. You got to come up. Somebody help me. You got to come up to a high place to have fellowship with a high God. And he said, there's something awesome about this altar is it's got four horns on each corner and forms re horns represent power. So he's showing him this New Testament church is going to be an exalted place of prayer and it's going to be a place of power. <laughs> It's going to be a place of power. And I looked that word up, altar, and it actually means the mountain of God. In the New Testament, prayer is ascending the mountain of God and operating in power. 
But he said, my people are not even blushing because they don't pray. Or if they do pray, it's on the ground level that's mixed with every common thing in your life. It's going to get worse. Are y'all ready? He said, my, my church has lost its ability to blush. And he said, one more thing about prayer and I'll move on. He said, not only is it going to have steps coming up it, but they have to be on the east side of the altar. Well, the word east speaks of expectation. All graveyards are facing the east. Why? Because that's when the Bible says the glory of the Lord came in the east gate. And the coming of the Son of Man shall be coming out of the eastern sky. Amen. So east means it's a place of expectation. Amen. He said the New Testament church can't pray on the ground level of compromise and low expectations. You're not even praying if you have not ascended into the heights to where you're expecting God to answer your prayer. You're expecting God to do something. You're praying in power, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous. He said, so, so put it on the east side. And he went on to say that when uh, he began to put these things in order, when, it, when, it, when, it, when God began to put these things in order, he got the walls right, he got the measurement right, he got the priest right, and then God said, this house shall be my dwelling place. This is where I'm going to put my feet. We're praying for glory that we haven't lived out the backstory. We're praying for revival. We're praying for an afterwards, and there's been no precursor. Oh, God, I'm going to preach it. God, help me. I'm going to preach it all over this country. He said, so I need you to be real careful of all the pattern. Build according to my pattern. Be careful how you look at how other churches are doing it. I want you to build according to my pattern. I'm going to show you the pattern. Tell your neighbor, he'll show you if you repent. He'll show you if you begin to repent. And Josh did an eloquent teaching on repentance. Amen. It's the ability to change my mind. It's the ability to see things from another perspective. It's the, it's the ability to go to another dimension. Somebody say, go deeper, pastor. And he said... He said, these compromising priests can no longer raise up the priest of Zodak. And he said, uh, he told them how to do all the sacrificing. And he said, let there be a sacrifice at the door. That's different. There's something different about that. Because Ezekiel is looking through eons of time at the New Testament church. And then it dawned on me what he was talking about. He said, enter into my courts with praise and into my gates with thanksgiving. There can't be an afterward until my people know how to come in and know how to go out. He said, I want you to get the priests to teach my people how to come into my house 
and how to go out of my house because we just marching in here like it's another Sunday morning. Praise team, give it your best you got. I might lift a hand or clap a hand. Amen. He said, but if you want an afterward, I need my people to offer a sacrifice when they're coming into the door. Don't wait for the piano. Don't wait for the worship leaders. Enter in with praise in your heart with an expectation. Coming into the presence of a king. Can I go just a little further? Still early. We pride ourselves on ministries of excellence. And I can appreciate it. Until excellence. Until presence is sacrificed at the altar of excellence. I can appreciate doing it right. But something stood out to me, Taylor. And I argued with the Lord. Y'all ever do that? You do? At your age? It's dangerous. I got more clout than you do. <laughs> he said, there's a north gate, there's a south gate, there's an east gate, and there's a west gate. If the people come in the north gate, they must go out to south gate. I don't mind the people coming in the south gate. But if they come in the south gate, they have to go out to north gate. And so I said, Lord, that is not a ministry of excellence. Because the northerns are going to be running into the southerns. <laughs> and that, I mean, when I do communion, I, communion, I get y'all flowing in the same direction. Amen. That's excellence. But in God's house, amen, you got people that's coming in from the north trying to get out to south, and people from the south are trying to get out to the north because God said it is a law in my house. You cannot leave out of my house in the same way you came. Is anybody listening to me? There cannot be an afterward. Amen. God said if you're leaving out just like you're coming, it's not my house. You went into some building somewhere. Matter of fact, the King James, oh, King Jimmy said, you, if you come, uh, God said, if you come into north, go out to south, for it is a law. You must go out opposite of how you came in. To be opposite means to be diametrically changed and opposed to how I come in. I come in depressed, I leave full of joy. I come in bound, I leave free. Oh, I don't know, I can't preach it, amen. He said, it's an insult for you to come into my house and leave the way you came but see if you ain't been taught how to come in you won't know how to go out because some of you are entering in God's house in total disrespect with all due respect. Amen. Not knowingly, I just hadn't been taught that I just can't meander into this anointed house. I know it's a building, but it's been consecrated. Amen. To the house of God. Amen. And I'm going to get to your temple in a minute. Are y'all still with me? Amen. But let me tell you what. God said, not my house. When my house, when the when my house starts flowing, they'll come in sick and they'll leave healed. They'll come in back Bound up. Somebody tell your neighbor, we got a long way to go. While we're sitting here bragging on how good a church we got, we got people that's leaving in the same bondage they came in. Why? Because they encountered fleshly ministry and not ministry that was ministering to God. 
praise team, you're, you're, you're getting there. I can feel it. You're getting there. Are you listening to me? So he said, it's a law in my house. You can't leave till, you, till you're changed. No wonder he said, tarry in Jerusalem. How long? Until. Some of you have been in bat- battling insecurity for 15 years of salvation. Some of, you, some of us are battling timidity that we've been fought, fought for years. It's because we ain't been taught how to come into God's house. We hadn't been taught that, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Amen. I refuse to be locked in the grocery store and starved to death. How foolish would that be? Oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm starving. And you're in Max. Are you serious? Open some beanie weenies. huh? Eat whatever you want because there's always bread at God's house. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. And when we come to the realization that I'm not leaving like I came if I have to tarry. But there's the problem. That if I preach past 1230, somebody's going to be upset. You ought to be ashamed. Ezekiel said, you ought to be ashamed that you don't even blush no more. No matter how hard he preaches. We don't blush when we read the word anymore. We just cut it to the continuity of my contemporary revelation and it's compromise. A couple more things I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go as soon as I get through. I mean it. He said, this is why I'm upset with my house and the reason it failed is because you put your doorpost right beside my doorpost and you put your threshold right beside my threshold. A doorpost is a way of entry. It's how I can approach God. God said, you've exalted your opinion just as high as mine. (laughs) That you said, well, my way is just as good as his. So you just put a doorpost right beside mine in my house. Are y'all with me? Hey, man, God don't care. He don't care. You know what I found out? The reason there's no blushing in the house of God is because of the lack of proximity. The closer I get to God, the more holiness is burning in my spirit. The more I get, the closer I get to God, the more conviction comes into my life. You may not understand that end, but you can understand this. You ever notice the further you get from God, amen, the more temptations arise in your life? Have, have some of you noticed that you've went back to doing some things you used to didn't do? Huh? I know you can't say nothing, but I'm just preaching. Have you noticed that? That you've done come back and now you don't even blush at it anymore because of proximity. We put our doorpost right beside the doorpost of God and it's like we're all going in, but we're going in at whatever level we want to go in. Is this too much? So he said, as a result... My house is in ruins. My house is in ruins. But Ezekiel's still measuring. He's still working. He's still putting everything in order. And then we go all the way through for six chapters. He worked for six chapters getting the house right. Isn't it amazing? God worked for six days. To establish all of creation. And on the seventh day, it began to flow. Afterward, afterward, 
you bring holiness back. Afterward, you start looking priest in the eye saying, listen, sir, I love you with all my heart, but you're not faithful to prayer. You're not, you're not committed to services. You're not honoring the pastor. Amen. I don't care if this event ain't yours. If I said be here, you ought to be here if you're one of my leaders. Are, are you following me? And I can point at you because you're good at it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening to me? Oh, but because we need you and we're your friend, go right on up there. Hadn't been circumcised at heart. You sure ain't circumcised in the flesh. Are you listening to me? But because we need, just go right ahead. And God said, my temple is dilapidating because you got men ministering to men. When I need priests of Zadok that sings under an anointing, beats a drum under an anointing, picks a guitar under an anointing, that I can minister to people. He said, he said, Christianity 101 is faithfulness, concentration, consecration, and commitment. And my people have lost commitment, and us as leaders are okay with it. He said, but keep on measuring, keep on measuring. And when he got it right, Sister Tammy, 41 said, afterward. In an amazing, we just spent six chapters in an introspective view. And God said, now it's all right. You got all the sacrifices right. You got the people right. You got the priest right. You got the altar right. You got prayer back. Hey, man, I, I, I want to teach you praise team 101. He said, build rooms for the singers. Amen. That they can dwell in presence. They, they, they don't get the privilege to vacillate in and outside of presence. Real worshipers worship running down the road. Real worshipers worship at home. I got to go on because I got... Are y'all still with me? And I got point after point after point of God saying, we just got to get my house right. And then something awesome happens, Courtney. Afterward... After all that proceeded, he said, that man who was gold as bronze took me by the hand and said, come with me. Now look out there. Look out there. He said, afterwards, after all was set in order, and we dealt with everything on the inside. Now let me show you what's going on on the outside. There's a river flowing out here now. Are you following me? Amen. He said, what's going on? This was Kobe's last message. What's going on out there is simply an overflow of what's going on in here. He said, now there's a river flowing out because the river got so high in here. Nobody just meandered around. No more compromise. The altar's been restored. And now there's a river flowing out into the community. We're asking God to do something out there. He can't even do it here. We're asking him to change sinners when he can't change us. We're asking God to show them the error of their ways when he can't even make us blush. 
over our programs and music and entertainment. I got a teaching I'm going to do on that. I think I'll just do it to leaders because I think it's too much for the body. And he said, now look, Ezekiel, I want to get to that point to come on where we're not constantly looking on the inside. We can start looking outside. He said, behold, that's enough of all this churchy stuff. I don't mean that in a negative way because all this has to be in order. Amen. But when it gets in order, amen, all of a sudden, because the inside got so full, there will be a breakthrough that flows out there. And he said, look where the river's going, Ezekiel. It's going down to the Dead Sea. You know what the Dead Sea is? The Dead Sea is the lowest point on the planet Earth. 1,312 feet, I think, below sea level is the Dead Sea. And it's, 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 it's so full of saline and sodium and chemical that they say you can lay on it and just float. The buoyancy is unreal. And what I thought ironic was, you know what's at the bottom of the Dead Sea? Sodom and Gomorrah. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, it became the lowest place on planet earth. The lowest of the low. The despicable. The sins that make God said, I, I, can't, I can't even watch it. And it filled up with water. And it becomes so putrid that nothing could live in it, and all the land around it was desolate. You know what's amazing to me about the Dead Sea is? It has a contributory called the Jordan River. They can't figure out how the Dead Sea has an inlet but no outlet. It's a, it's a phenomenon for something to have an inlet without an outlet. Wait on me, teacher. Matter of fact, it's a dangerous phenomenon for something to have something flowing in and nothing flowing out. So they can't figure out how come it's never healed. They can't figure out why it never changes, why it never rises. And God said, this is a picture of my church. Always got word coming in, but never an expression of what was poured into my soul. And it's in the process of drying up. But uh, Revelation says that when the Bible talks about sea, it's talking about people. So this is not a literal river, it's a spiritual river. And it's flowing down to a sea of dead people. Amen. That has no life, has no revelation, has no instruction. They're just dead. So nobody's fishing around those banks anymore because the fish are dead. He said, but when my house gets right, uh, when, when, when we get the, uh, uh, what's the word, Josh? The, uh, uh, the one I defined when I started this question, huh? When we get the prequel right, there'll be a sequel of events. Amen. The problem is we're trying to fish in the Dead Sea before the river brings it alive. They're dead. They don't want to hear what you got to say. Somebody help me. I'm not being negative, but our communities are burned up. 
This is the proof they're burnt up. Nobody's flogging to churches. Are y'all okay this morning? Huh? This place ain't packed. It's burnt up. And it's burnt up for the lack of exposure. He said, but when my house gets right, it will have an issue. He said, my house has got issues coming out of it. And my issues don't run to the upper echelon. It went down. It went down. It went down. My church don't care if you got money or don't got money. Amen. They want to know if you've been born again. This river is going to flow to the lowest of lows. And it's going to bring life to a lost and dying world. Are y'all still with me? And then all of a sudden, we can start catching fish again. But there ain't no deed going fishing. Until something so happens. Oh, Josh, if you ain't going to preach this stuff, I will. He had the opportunity, but he didn't. And then he done something really crazy. He sent me a definition. Was you going to preach this? He got this in prayer. Let me tell you what a threshold is. Now, if you think of thresholds, you think of 21st century thresholds. They didn't have them kind of thresholds in Bible days because they didn't have doors like we had in Bible days. You didn't need a threshold. Matter of fact, some of them had dirt floors. Are you following me? I want you to listen to this threshold. I got a few more minutes. Are y'all still with me? Threshold is the magnitude of intensity that must be exceeded for a certain result to be manifested. I'm going to read it again, amplified form. A threshold is the magnitude of intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, or result to be manifested. The water, when a woman goes in labor, labor gets to such an intensity That exceeds, y'all with me, ladies? It exceeds anything you ever, and this intensity causes the water break, and there's an issue. And something is born. God said, My church has lost its intensity. We, we, we never reach the magnitude of intensity. That has to be reached to affect change in our lives. We're just compromising. We're just going with the flow. Having a few good services. And you can't call extra services no more. Because it's too much. It's too much. I'm, too, I'm tired on Sunday. Oh my God. Just let me act like an apostle for just a little while. Hey Amen. I could, I could serve a lot of churches and be here every Sunday morning, but I can't hardly find any anymore, amen, that even likes to come back to church on Sunday night. 
I'm not trying to cause legalism here. I'm just telling you. Amen. And a threshold is a magnitude of intensity that's got to exceed. It's got to exceed. It's got to go above the norm. My God, I'm just telling you. If you want me to pastor this church, amen, then I can't be happy with the norm. There's a normal church on every corner. We got to renew intensity in the body. I'm intense about righteousness. I'm intense about holiness. I'm intense about my commitment. I'm just, there's no intensity. There's, oh my God, we can miss it. Oh my God, we can miss it. Are y'all feeling my spirit today? Oh, I hope my spirit connects with the words coming out of my mouth. Worship is lazy. Prayer is lazy. Commitment is lazy. I'm just talking about my life. I don't know about y'all. It's just, there's no intensity that causes the water break. It causes the water break. So I can get, I'm going to say something. I, I hate it. You kept all the kids in here, but I'm going to say it. Maybe they won't know what I'm talking about. A woman has a cycle. And she has an issue every month. She has an issue. You know what that issue represents? When you go to cramping, it's your body getting rid of a seed that was not productive to make room <coughs> for another seed to produce. An issue is a time of expectation. It's a time of expectation. I can still give birth. God spoke to me and said, My church has went into menopause. My church is in menopause. She has no issue no more. She has no issue of expectation. And a lot of people don't understand these cycles that they're still alive in you. The first cramp you had, I'm sorry, the first cramp we have, we quit. Oof. Instead of, oh my God, my body's still capable. And, I, and it's cleaning out that old seed that didn't work so I can get in the presence of God and He can put a new seed in me. I'm still fertile if I got issues. Anybody listen to me? Amen. But the first time a leader brings boundaries into your life, and if the cramping starts in a church, we quit. You start calling leaders, you're religious. It's legalism. It's legalism. God said, My church is in menopause, and she's not even ashamed of it. Hence, where this message come from is God said, I don't know what church you're a part of, but my church has got issues. Not, not issues of nonsense, issues of life. And I want to bring it down and close out with this. Jesus summed it up with, if any man believe in me 
As the scripture says, out of his shall flow rivers of living water. God spoke to me in that mountain I've been on for the last week, literally and spiritually. And said, my house is half full. My people is half full. And as a result, there's not an issue of life flowing out of you. And he showed me the temple, Tammy. And when it, when it came out, I could see you flowing out of God's house. You are the issues. You're supposed to be the issues. We're so, supposed to be so full of him that everywhere we go, life is pouring out of us and bringing healing. They're bringing healing everywhere they go. Now, I wanted to preach another part of this message, but I can't now. Maybe I'll preach it later because I want to get to the trees. The trees are you, and you're standing on the bank, and you don't fear when drought comes because you you got a river flowing. Isn't that good? That's going to be good too, isn't it? You're always bearing fruit because you're tapped into the river. I wanted to go on to preach. Thank you, Bliss. You're awesome. I wanted to go on to preach. And the thing about this river is, the more you wade out into it, the deeper it gets. Can I submit to you without exaggeration, the majority of the church is in ankle deep water. And never, we never wade out to knee deep. We never get it up above our loins, which are procreative organs, to where we start producing things. I told you last year that this church will not look the same. And I make a vow to you and God, I will not relent. I will not back up until holiness is reestablished and conviction comes back to the house of God. Why? Because I wasn't saved to have church. I was saved to be the church. And the church has got an issue. I'm tired of dealing issues with issues of my anger, issues of my lack of long-suffering. Come on, I want an issue flowing out of me that everything it touches, it gives life. What's amazing is this issue is not afraid of the Dead Sea. It heads straight to it, Brother Jimbo, and it brings it alive again because I showed up because you showed up. My biggest fear today is you're sitting in them pews right now and you're not blushing. I, I, I want to confess to you that I've been on, uh, I come out of my 21 days and I've been in a high place pretty much ever since. And I really thought I had it all together, uh, fluky. But two nights ago I had a dream. I had a dream that I had unforgiveness against a man that I know. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it, Jason, that I had unforgiveness. And God said, the reason I can show it to you now is because you've been repenting. I can't even show you things that's in your life because you haven't learned the art of blushing. And you are comfortable. You're comfortable with this little status quo church. 
We're comfortable with our current spiritual condition. We're comfortable. And there's no intensity to say, I want God more than I want my comfort. I want to be a river more than I want compromise. So today, today, if you feel my heart and spirit, find you a place, just you and God, and repent. And repent. The Holy Ghost just spoke to me and said, one of the biggest shames of my people is when you said repent, they don't even know what they need to repent of. Revelation said we're naked and don't even know it. We think we're rich and increased with goods and we're in a beggar mode. My house has issues. I can't tell you some of the things that my wife has gone through over the last month from the posture she's in right now of repentance. God has brought conviction in everything we do to a level we didn't even know we were outside the will of God. We didn't know that wasn't pleasing to God. Me and her. But the closer we get the more of the temple He shows us what it's supposed to look like. It's dangerous to follow God from afar because we'll be engaged in things we don't even know we're supposed to be embarrassed about. I'm calling this church to repentance right now. I'm just calling you to repentance right now. I'm calling us to repentance right now. I want to be a part of a church that's got issues and they're issues of life that's flowing out of us as individuals. I promise you, church, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to quit ministering to men and start ministering to God. My God, my God, my God, my God. Restore the temple of Ezekiel in Life Church. Oh, I know this word is, is, is rude and crude, but maybe we need to pray, God, reverse my menopause. Reverse it, Father. Reverse it. Reverse it. Make me uncomfortable again. Thank you, Bliss, for your word. Make me uncomfortable again, O oh Lord God, so that I can become fertile again, O oh God, so that I can be a tree planted by the river producing fruit again, O oh God. Thus saith the Lord your God. Hear the prophet 
and you shall live. Hear the word and you shall prosper, says the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I've just preached to you out of my journal. Come straight out of my spirit. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me, said, Were you leaders have missed it as you thought you were supposed to make people comfortable in my house? And there is no comfort until we become uncomfortable again. There can be no afterward until there's a frequency. There has to be a backstory where conviction got so intense. It got so intense that it produced a different result in my life. Josh, another thing I found out about the threshold is it's a place of transition. It's leaving one dimension and going into another, come on. Cuts. I believe God has set the threshold. Fluky, I love you, sir. I don't know why I want to tell you that. I just find comfort looking in your eyes, brother. I just feel you. You're my, you're my brother. But I can't play no more. If I've been playing, what came to me, Fluky, is the men that's making it in the marketplace. I hear statements like, Give me all the overtime you can give me. I want the overtime, because it's in the overtime I make money. Give me the extra hours. I want the overtime. I want the, uh, what's Michael get for driving? Per diem. I want that. I don't mind. I may be away from my family another week, but give me the overtime because it's going to make my check fat. God said it's an insult, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he said the insult is when you call one extra meeting into this house, it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. He, he said, people, they make it to the top, Jimbo, like you have. All the way to the top to where you're the both. Amen. And I did too in the work first. We're supposed to. We ought to serve uh, our jobs as unto the Lord. He said, but when we come into God's house, there's not that same intensity. Does that make sense? I'm just letting y'all in my journal. There's not that same intensity. Oh, I want to be good. I want to be great. Uh, Randy, I remember when I was a driller in the oil field, I would literally take my wife by the uh, drilling rig and say, I run that rig. Have you ever done that? Has he ever done that? Huh? I run that rig. We drilled that well. I built that because of the intensity of us. Only to come in this house with no intensity to excel. My God, are y'all feeling my heart and spirit? 
That, it, that I didn't think it was unreasonable to be at the ballpark every night till 9 o'clock with my kids. But, but, but when it's time to go to a Bible study, I can't. My kids have homework. What do we do in ball season? Come on, I'm just being real. It's because the intensity has, the magnitude of the intensity has not exceeded to create the result that I'm looking for. And I know God didn't place me as a pastor over this church because you're not. Surely you feel my heart. It convicts me to see commercials that they're out there running before daylight. Does it ever convict y'all? Or have we lost the ability to blush? Or you say, they stupid. <laughs> you know, I love them where they're popping the ropes and they're doing in sweats, boiling, and they're drinking greater A. It never fails that I see one that says, I want to see myself like that in the spirit. To where I'm just pouring with sweat and I'm popping ropes and I'm the first man to practice and I'm the last man to leave. Every great sports guy, that's what I hear. You tell about him. He's watching films. He's, he's the first guy there. He's the last one to leave. Now look at him. They're making shoes with his name on them. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy in the spirit. So that there's a river flowing out of me. And them guys inspire little, little idolaters that lift them up as idols. And they inspire them to be great. Where's the men and women of God? Are y'all with me today? I know it's long, but right now I just to where we inspire people because there's a river flowing out of us. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.